Well, today's story starts many, many years ago when uh, I was working on a radio station called Radio Safari. And Radio Safari, you may remember, used to broadcast out into the Kruger National Park. Well, being a conservation and nature program and being at my birthday, some bright spark decided to celebrate the birthday. And of course, I'm one of those people that kind of doesn't really enjoy those things too much. Well, needless to say, I graciously accepted my gift, which I still have, and the gift was a dung ball mounted on a little piece of wood with my name and the date on it. Very cute, I thought. Well, working away one day as I was uh, producing the program, in fact, mostly presenting the program, I suddenly noticed there was a scurrying upon the table. I looked to the side of the microphone, and there was a tiny little dung beetle. And I looked at the dung beetle ball, and that was where the scurrying sound had come from. The dung beetle ball had obviously got to the right temperature, everything was correct, and out came Junior. Well, that was the first entry where I kind of thought dung beetles are a little strange. And then going up to the Kruger National Park to go and do a program, we were driving out on the uh, opposite side of the airport, whereupon we came across some ground hornbills. Well, we were hoping to find them, and we did. And it did fascinate me as the ground hornbills were going across the landscape, opening up each little hole they could find, getting their beaks in, and coming out with a dung beetle ball, which they proceeded to suck and chew on like a nice boiled sweet, until, of course, they got to the real prize, which was the larvae on the inside. Ah, I thought, dung beetles are a little bit more interesting. Then driving along, and I noticed that everybody avoided the poop in the road, the elephant poo, etc., and, of course, that is because it's filled with dung beetles. And I always thought, well, there were only one or two. I then met a researcher who was busy researching dung beetles in the uh, uh, Pilansburg National Park, and I suddenly started to discover that there were a lot more than just one or two dung beetles, and just the different jobs that dung beetles did. Of course, this I marveled at, because I'd also just learnt all about the differences of what the different vultures did, uh, who comes down at from what height, and who's watching who, and who opens the carcass, and who does the cleanups. And suddenly I discovered that the world of dung beetle had very, very similar people. Many programs were done over the time, and the late uh, Tommy McClellan and I went out and did a number of programs on dung beetles with the most interesting people. Well, across my desk came a book, Dance of the Dung Beetles, their role in our changing world by Marcus Brunn and Helen Lynn. Well, we are going to have some interviews with the folk over time, but I thought I'd give you a little bit of a snippet into this book. The humble and industrious dung beetle is a marvellous beast. The 6,000-odd species identified are far more intricately entwined with the human history and scientific endeavour than possibly we think. These night soil collectors of the planet have been worshipped as gods, worn as jewellery, and painted by artists. More practically, they have saved Hawaii from an ecological blight and rescued Australia from a plague of flies. They fertilise the soil, cleanse the pastures, steer by the stars, and have a unique relationship with the African elephant, along with many other of the ungulates. Above all, 
they are the ideal subject for a biological study in an ever-evolving world. This entertaining outline of the development of science and the Beatles' perspective will enhance general readers and entomologists alike. And of course, entomologists I really enjoy because they go crazy over the tiniest little bugs. Dance of the Dung Beetles. Well, let me tell you that once you get into this book, you'll actually read it cover to cover because that's the way it's designed. And I think it's rather nicely put that this brilliant and funny tour through the mythology, evolution and day-to-day innovations of scientific research. And so many people have written parts in their comments as almost part of the forward. Dance of the Dung Beetle shows a delightful and charming side of the Dung Beetle enthusiast, scientifically rigorous and highly readable. And that was from Sandra Swart, who's a professor of history at the University of Stellenbosch. And of course, I think here, one of the nice ones as well, was the comment by Jane Carruthers, who we've had on numerous times on the program, talking about the history around us. And she's the emeritus professor of the Department of History at the University of South Africa. Biology and history dance with the scarabs in this beautiful book, with this wide-ranging perspective of our changing and understanding appreciation of their marvellous creatures. Now, of course, when you do go out into the bush and you look at these dung beetles, you just think they're just simply munching a whole bunch of uh, poop. And as they say about Australia, of course, all the flies were buzzing around the place and people wore those strange hats with corks. That was not a joke, I can assure you. What I do find about this book that is really awesome, though, is it talks about these animals crawling into the darkness. It shows just how they have proven, for example, by putting little shades over their heads, that they can't navigate once the shade is on, and the dung beetle goes around in ever-decreasing circles. Of course, this did bring quite a smile to my face as well, because I can remember the large peaks that they put onto the helmets of the folk in the Air Force that were busy learning all about flying for instrument ratings. And of course, this goes right through the whole book. Of elephants and dung beetles, tribes with human attributes, design and construction first, what a wonderful world. When the dung beetle wore golden shoes, crawling out of the darkness, joining the dots. And every time that we look even in the internet at the moment, there's all sorts of new information about these wonderful little creatures. They go all the way back to the pharaohs and mostly beyond that as well. Ancient little guys they are. I was also fascinated about their communication skills and just how do they communicate when, for example, an animal is taken down by lions and as that stomach is opened, suddenly the dung beetles appear to come and crawl that warm, moist uh, grasses, etc., in the stomach of whoever is the unfortunate lunch for the local predator. How do they know that? And why are there more than just one types? And just in this book as well, you will suddenly discover that not all dung beetles roll balls. There was one of my first surprises. I thought they all rolled balls and buried them. No, they don't. Go and get yourself the book. I can assure you it is worthwhile. Dance of the Dung Beetles by Marcus Brin and Helen Lynn. Go and find it. Look for it in the internet. Look for it in your local shops. It is available from Wits University Press as well. It is one worthwhile putting on your shelf, not as a book that you're going to refer to about dung beetles, but one that you're going to read and learn about these majestical, incredible little creatures.
Well, talk about uh, incredible little creatures at the moment. Of course, it's uh, really getting into spring, isn't it? And uh, in our gardens in uh, Gauteng, all the birds are busy nesting. I'm always fascinated how they uh, seek out the different bits, the nesting material, and the uh, territorial battles that take place over a feather. Equally, of course, we uh, have a large Anatolian shepherd dog. Now, Squidgy is not the greatest of characters when it comes to uh, manners, but Squidge really loves a good brushing. And, of course, the Anatolian has got that double uh, coat. So when you're brushing her, you end up with piles of squidge fur that uh, come out of the hairbrush. Now, this is really prized by all the local birds. And I often wonder what it must look like in the nest as everybody snuggles down at night into uh, a squidge fur uh, duvet. Is, could we say it like that? From Eatham Neary, have yourselves an awesome week. The Nature Journal supports the sustainability of our planet, its people and prosperity. Brought to you by SAPI, a leading global specialised cellulose paper and packaging company. For more information, visit www.sapi.com. SAPI, inspired by life.